You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're going to talk about Frank Darabont's The Green Mile. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Prison Stephen King film. He only makes prison movies. Uh, well, he did do The Mess later. And he did direct every episode of Oz, right? Should you have called it the Frank Darabont's adaptation of Stephen King's? <laughs> That's semantics. It's still his movie. Welcome to the podcast. We're your host, I'm Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Howdy. And Mr. Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? So did one of y'all do the doing howdy good. for me last week? Hmm. I don't remember. No. I specifically asked you to do the outing. We, 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 we did. We did say your like, you know, your score. Oh well, yeah, I mean, we we got that. Man. We got your rating in. You know, like, come on, we we got half the things you told us to do. <laughs> you know, half half of the job is it's better than zero, Benson. I mean, come on. Two things. I ask you to do two fucking things. How's that iced coffee over there, Benson? It is weird. <laughs> your first iced coffee, right? First one. Yeah, a little backstory. I asked Jared to pick up some coffee on the way over, and for some reason he ordered iced coffee and blamed it on them. No, I showed you the receipt, and it's exactly what you said you wanted. Just, I guess they just figured that since I was getting coffee at 10 p.m. at night that uh, they should probably be cold. Either that or they were just lazy. And like, I don't want to make it hot. Um, when I pulled up, they were like, <laughs> Don't make decisions for me. They're like, We close in three minutes. And I said, I'll make it quick. They open with that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we're not doing the hot coffee. Yeah. Stuff. We already, the <laughs> already stuff, oh, got clean. By the, got way, by the way, these were already made. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you've got that's got caffeine in it, put it in a cup. With no sugar, please. And no ice. <laughs> Fuck it, you're getting ice. <laughs> Uh, so the end of Stephen King month here, guys. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I, instead of Stephen King month, I, I, I'm going to say it's the Cry Your Eyes Out month. Because, uh, man, these last two Pet movies. Cemetery was, whew. <laughs> yeah, I didn't cry in that one. I didn't cry in Stand By Me, really, either. Uh, I had a moment. What was the moment? When... Um, he sees the deer. N- no, <laughs> dude, uh, that was just so beautiful. That, I cried. That and is like the most pretentious when... <laughs> moment to cry ever. You're like, oh, it's, the tears are running it's down my so face. And then Vern couldn't find his pennies. No, like you feel so bad for Vern. It's it's when it's Chris, right? 
yes. It's, it's when he's talking about it, no, the other one. Um, oh, River, oh Phoenix. River Phoenix. Yeah, he is Chris. You're right. But don't, don't confuse me. I actually I know, got it right. right. God damn it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, anyways, it's when Chris is talking about how the, uh, the the teacher let him down and she's supposed to protect and all that. That moment, dude, I got a little. When he's realizing the parent, uh, adults aren't uh, all. Yeah. Everybody's judging him by his last name. Yeah, man. I can see that. No, yeah, man. Right. I, I got a little misty there, but not as much as this movie. This movie, I was like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I remember when this first came out. It is my mostly buddy, draining. My uh. buddy Zach put this on. Um, we'll shout out Zach Macarino. He put it on the list of movies men are allowed to cry at. This? Oh, wait, that's bullshit. Mr. Holland's Opus. I- Movies men are allowed to cry. I'll cry at whatever the fuck um, I want to, man. The Little Mermaid. Come on. Wait, wait. Uh, no. wait You're just movies? defending that you cry a lot. Well, yeah, because I have fucking emotions uh, up, and feelings. Make me cry. Yeah, have right. You seen Up? Yeah. Oh my god, that'll make up. you cry. Uh, yeah. Vincent, have you the balloon seen movie? Up? The, the yeah, old I took man? my kids to see it. Yeah, man, that movie's sad. Like the first like five minutes. Yeah, that's shows, like Okay, that part's not sad, but yeah. the beginning when he's talking about when he's him with and his wife and, and, and the whole reason why he's and a curmudgeon s- man, he lives alone in the house. That's right. You see him, they have all these dreams and, and his hopes, and then his wife this, dies, and he never fulfilled any of that shit and there's with there's no dialogue, and, it, and, the, and the way it's like shot and lit, and you know, quote-unquote lit, in that first Very like quote. 20 minutes of this, uh, of this of the, of Up is amazing. It really is great storytelling. Peter Doctor, man. Yeah. I like yeah. the movie. I don't I don't see crying at it. You have no heart, Benson. <laughs> you have no you have soul. No, fucking heart. no, um This one's a draining though, like man, oh, like man. I don't cry. Like by the time Dude. you get to the end, I'm not crying, man. I'm done. When when just they done. when they run out with him like holding the girls and like just like like that like whole freak out moment dude I'm like <laughs> when you did that I immediately imagined Roger Rabbit replacing John Coffey holding the two bodies Daddy. <laughs> Uh, the two girls do I look. I, I, did you guys? Did you guys watch this in 1080? Uh, yes. This is the first time I'd ever seen this on an uh, HD. Me too. And I did notice right away that the fucking girls look like dummies that he's holding. Like you can tell, like the minute the shot. No, there's cuts no to blood it. in them. They got drained out. No, there's blood in their hair. Oh, I know, but but, but I mean, like their, their face. In defense of the, the movie, gone. In see- yeah. seeing it in the theater twice, I never <clears throat> caught they were dummies. But as soon as I saw the making of and saw they were dummies, I can't not see they're dummies. I never noticed it before, man. I, I, I don't know if I'd seen this in the theater, but I know I saw it on uh, on VHS or DVD when it came out. And I know but I even, even on the, the DVD, anniversary, as, DVD. Soon as, it, as soon as I saw the making of, I can't not see the dummies. But I mean, a lot of the special effects do hold up really well in the movie. It's they just, do. yeah, those dummies. And then there's, uh, there's a couple of light gags. When he's like reviving the mouse, Mister Jingles, that that looks kind of bad. But well, everything you know, else that the bugs leave in his mouth. They don't look too great, but they don't. But for nineteen ninety nine, it's not yeah. bad. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. And I will say that this was the very first film I had ever seen on DVD. Really? Yes. Wow. I I, wow. I, I remember that. I was like, "What is this?" My first DVD was Lethal Weapon Four. Really? Or Blade? I don't know. I bought them both at the same day, so I don't know which one I watched first. What was yours, Benson? Well, everybody remembers their first DVD. Yeah, man, everybody remembers their first DVD. You Hashtag rem- first DVD. That's right. You re- you remember your first time with a digital disc. I do. You get some of that picture quality, you're like, damn. You guys ever seen Rain Woman? I can't ever look at interlaced footage like that again. It's progressive <laughs> for me all the way. What was it? <laughs> I have no idea. It probably, man, I can't remember. Maybe Mallrats, maybe. Really? 
These are goddamn tiny laser discs. How'd they get them so small? <laughs> I'll be honest, I I'd, I'd never even seen a laser yeah, disc. Yeah, I didn't. And what? I only saw laser disc in school. Like I'd like, never seen that before, and then some teachers had some stuff. We saw for a, real. Yeah, we saw a oh, laser man. disc in a movie one time, and Mark, I was like, "What is that?" And Mark was like, "That's a laser disc." So we went to his in-laws' house and watched Contact on a laser disc, and this is years Badass. after. Laserdisc sucked ass though. I said, what was the resolution of a laserdisc? Was it it's the same DVD as D- better? No, it's the same as DVD, but okay. you had to flip them, and they were the size of records. <laughs> yeah. So you get like to forty minutes into the movie. I remember like Goldeneye. Uh, it was it was pretty we much have to flip Contact. You probably had to. You just don't remember. But I mean, maybe like, all it of just those. flips on its own. Um, it's got two different eyes. Ooh <laughs> man, that would be like a real expensive player because then you'd have to have a laser on the bottom and the top of the disc. I don't know. I don't remember ooh, having ooh. to flip it. But yeah, I, all the laser disc I ever had, like all of them. Um, not I wish, that I had a lot. I wish Blu-rays were that big. When, when I was awesome. in French class, they they taught us. You know, they had the it was like album size. Yeah, they the Francais, the videos they were on laser disc, and I remember having to flip them. Yeah, our lessons. And they even had like little barcode readers, and you could like get. Oh chapters. yeah, you had to scan it. It's like, yeah. it's like yeah, you had to like slide it across it, and it would scan it to get to the chapter on the disc. Our library had one of those, and yeah. I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. That in the was world. badass. Yeah, it's still if you go to like some uh, <clears throat> like there's I think McKay's in um, in Nashville, they have like a laser disc on sale for like fifty cents. I mean they're used. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, and you know probably get a new one for a dollar. <laughs> They probably have some ones that are unopened there. I like. I actually uh, found aliens on laser Ooh, Aliens original packaging. That's right. Still shrink wrapped. <laughs> Got to flip it though. Yeah, that, don't have a player to watch it on. Four totally, disc set. Totally missed the whole laser disc thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now well, I did get into the HD DVD. I had a bunch oh, the, of those. Oh, that, that dark red brown, too. like you know, peanut butter and jelly mixed together color. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, a buddy of mine that I gave my HD DVD player and collection to. Still to this day, does not have a Blu-ray player, but he has that. <laughs> well, I mean, HD DVD was awesome because it, you know it was backward compatible with DVDs. So if you had a DVD, it would play your DVD and your HD DVD, and they were you know spec compatible. You could even put like they'd have some discs that would just be HD DVD on one side, and then the other side would be the DVD. Right, you know, like the laser's so fine, and the Blu-ray. Sony came in with their proprietary shit, kind of fucked up everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally thought HD DVD was going to catch on. <clears throat> I, I did too. I thought that was going to be the format, just because the players was, were cheaper. It was and cheaper. The, yeah. I thought that I thought price would push it. The old VHS versus Beta. Well, VHS won out because of porn. Well, well, uh, I would say because of price, probably. Well, more more porn was put out on VHS than beta, and also beta was more expensive, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the porn industry solidified VHS as king. You think it was a porn? I do. I don't, man. I don't think enough people... Bullshit, Brian. Yeah. I've seen a lot of porn VHSs in my day. Know, Not in my personal I'm, collection. What I'm saying, though, but... is is like you have to be like a <clears throat> porn fanatic or a connoisseur to be like, well, you know what? They but... don't have my goddamn porn series on fucking uh, beta. You know, they, no. they have big booties, volumes one through five, but not six. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, you got to be like a connoisseur of porn to get like, well, they don't have my porn movie. I'm on. just saying back then it was a little harder to get. You didn't have the internet. Bro, if you're buying a VHS or a beta back then, you're not a kid or a teenager. Like, you have to remember, like, those cost a shit ton of money. You're talking like over $40. Well, the article I read <laughs> when the Blu-ray HD DVD thing was happening, a guy went back and talked about beta versus VHS, and 
the speculation was that HD DVD would would have won out following that model because VHS was cheaper than beta tapes. Sony was smart enough to make deals where they could put out certain movies that people wanted. Yeah, well, Sony was smart because they got the Disney on board. And that's that's the company I was thinking about. And on top of that, man, HD DVD was in the uh, it was into porn. A Sony a Sony Blu-ray refused to carry it for a long time because they didn't want to piss well, off Disney. You know, it's not the '80s anymore. But actually, <laughs> if you if you look up on Snubs, it says did porn, did porn kill the beta tape? What do you think it's going to say? I don't know who wrote the article. Somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, or is this one of it's these internet a... things where it's like, you know, I hey man, I write for Slash Film, so I'm like, you know. Barely knowing what the fuck I'm talking about, and I interviewed some guy, and uh, yeah, I'm an expert. I'm a fucking journalist. Yeah, okay. We'll come to find out it's a forum. It's not the standard Snopes page, so I'm not even going to say. But I, I agree, and I with myself, and I say that, you know. I'm, I mean, I don't know for sure. I don't think anybody does really know. I don't, I don't think there's, like, a fact that I, says, like, oh, it's cheap price. Oh, it's porn. No, you know, it's a cool thing to say at parties. Oh, well, did you know that <laughs> porn killed the beta tape? Even though it was a superior quality. Did you guys know that the Green Mile was on two VHS tapes? Yeah. VHS. Everybody complaining about like how uh, Avengers Endgame's, oh my God, this movie's three hours long. It's three hours and one minute long. The Green minutes. Mile, I looked it up, is 301. This one's 308. Yeah, IMDb says uh, 309, in fact. No, no, no. This movie is 309. Yeah. Endgame is 301. Oh, Endgame? What's Endgame? Avengers Endgame that's coming oh, out this weekend, man. fuck yeah, bro. I, I thought well, you were talking about it. everybody on the internet's talking about right now. I forgot about that. It was even coming out this weekend. I gotta go take my kid the, to that. You know, they're, they're all like, man, I'm gonna have to get a catheter to go see this movie so I don't have to, you know, so I have to get up and piss. I'm gonna miss anything. They should have an intermission. They should have an intermission. Intermissions would be cool. Yeah. They should bring that back. I'm down with that. I had to do an intermission for this movie. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. This one always felt like it flowed pretty good to me. Yeah, I don't feel the runtime on this one. Uh, maybe because I haven't seen it as much as Shawshank, but I, this one felt like it moved quicker than Shawshank did. I could see that. I don't know why, because it's a lot longer. Well, it's because this one kind of has like little like little vignette moments, like, you know, just kind of like little little stories. The other one's kind of like Shawshank's kind of telling an overall arcing, you know, story, I think. Right? It, it, I don't know. It feels like it's got a longer... Well, I feel go. like this one is is putting together the scenes like, I don't know how to say it, but there's little stories within the bigger story, but the bigger story becomes mysterious, and then it all right. kind of comes together. And, and also, you, this one's... You get to know the supporting characters. Yeah, this one's like, it just spends all this time making you fall in love with all these characters. I mean, like, it, you just really get to know everybody and all their personalities. But by yeah. the time shit really starts happening at the end, you're like, oh my god, you really do care, you know? starts tugging at you when, when the bad guy gets his ass beat you really like it and then when the you know the good guy gets his ass beat you really cry yeah this does have a great cast man fucking yeah. sam rockwell oh man coming in to support so him. fucking good does he only play racist is that the only is, is that all he does now he's real good at it he's like hey man you got a racist character in here i'll be that guy <laughs> all right cool thank you it, it does kind of seem like that's his shtick now with three billboards. There's and... also just so much like little comedy with him though. They're like, he's like, "Hey man, can I get some of that RC cola?" Like, what makes you think you deserve that? And he's like, "I got a big pecker." <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. Because <laughs> I got a big pecker. I got a big pecker. <laughs> but he says it under his breath, like, "Yeah, he's like, I want you guys to hear me." I got a big <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's great. It is surprisingly close to the book too. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of like scenes that are just combined, and but element-wise and feel-wise, it feels a lot the same. Yeah, almost everything that they, they include in the movie 
is exactly the same as it is in the book, with the exception of Mr. Jingle's fate. Um, he actually dies in the book. He dies at the end of the movie. No, he doesn't. He's still breathing. He's not breathing. He's still breathing. Nah. He's still breathing, Come bro. On, man. He's in still the breathing. box, that last shot, if you look, he's... Yeah. Barely breathing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's like it's no. Like, he's not barely. It's like fast breathing. Yeah. Yeah. He's dying. It's it's like he's dying. I thought he was just because he was old. No, man. Because he's even talking about how like I don't remember what the words what what the ending monologue is, but he's talking about how he's kind of like tied to tied to his fate and all that kind of stuff. And I am. So you think Frank Darabont would show a mouse breathing fast as opposed to show a mouse stop breathing? Yeah, wouldn't that represent death no, better? No, they're gonna let it let let it like hang a little bit so we have these conversations like what we're having right now. But what I'm saying is like the the the, the mouse was in its death rattles. That's what it looks like to me. Well, in the book, you, the mouse you ever straight stood up over someone and watched them die, Brian. The the book, he straight up dies. <laughs> well, like in they, this one, he's about to die. <sighs> I don't know. That's the very last shot of the movie too. And I like his voice, his voiceover. It's kind of. John Coffey brought this mouse back, right? And he's lived all this long. How long am I going to live? Right. In the book, that's not the case. Uh, Mr. Jingles dies, and he's like, oh, okay, well, I know that I am not immortal. Right. Paul's character, uh, played by Tom Hanks, which is kind of cool, because otherwise it's like, how long is this fucker going to live? And if he's and, and so where is um, where's the warden's wife? She's got to still be alive, right? If we took all her cancer No, away. she dies two years after... Uh, Mr. Jingles? Yeah. Oh, no, not after Mr. Jingles. She dies, like, uh, right after her husband. The guy that's actually the warden of the prison. Yeah. She dies, like, two years after him. But it's kind of, like, implied that you have to have the will to live in order to get this long-lasting life from John Coffey. Okay. But in the movie, it's kind of implied that if he touches you and there's, like, some kind of duress, that's how he passes it along. Because Tom Hanks says that it's, like, when, when... John Coffey is feeling the electrocution from Dell. Yeah, he passes that, it that's on. when he passes it, and then he's when he's trying to show um, Paul the truth about the the girls that died. Yeah, it wasn't during a healing; it was during yeah. something else. He actually gave it to him. He, he, he gave him the purpose. You know, yeah. So that's how they kind of explain that because he, he heals his piss problem. Yeah, his that doesn't give him extra long life it's the oh he, he has to want to yeah he has to be passing it on it's when he shares his essence with him so he can see what billy did when he does a mind meld yeah i got you <laughs> now that's different in the book um that's not in the book right because i was watching that thing on the way over here and darabont was talking about how in the book you know tom hanks character starts doing all this studying and he kind of figures everything out yeah. Well, he didn't want to have that that late in the movie, like this whole little detective moment. So he came up with the idea to have him just show him what happened to confirm everything. I don't know. It kind of leads into my biggest problem with the Green Mile. Is it like the movie doesn't feel like Tom Hanks' character does enough at the end to save John Coffey. It feels kind of like, bitch, you why you are pulling the switch. You are the head of this guard. You can break this motherfucker out. And I know he's slow. But you can take his ass to Mexico, and you can live like fucking Andy he Dufresne asked him, did. Though. He asked him, he's like, what do, you, what do you want? I know, that's how they try to play it off. But still, it's like, man, you are, and I know it's like a Jesus Christ metaphor. You know, obviously, John Coffey, Jesus Christ, same initials. I get it, I get it. Oh, okay. he admits it. He, that's why he changed the name to John Coffey. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand, you know. He's dying. Our sins. He's talking about, like, all these, uh, you know, all these uh, people. They just kill each other with love in the world. Or I forget what how he puts they it. They killed each other with their love. 
It's like that every day. It's like that every day. Paul, our all boss the, man. All around the world. Wasn't that a good performance? Oh, my God, dude. He is Was nailing it? it. Yes. Yes, Brian. Is my is Michael? Yeah, is it Michael Duncan Clark or Michael Clark Duncan? Michael, Michael Clark, Clark Duncan. Duncan nails this. Is that role. a great performance? I know he got the Oscar nomination for it. I thought it was yeah, awesome. Like or is this kind of like Dustin Hoffman's Rain Man, where you're, you know, no man, because it doesn't seem it. like it's. He's giving it. Nah, I think he did. I think he's playing it perfect. You, you, you Even can, those scenes where he's like looking up at the stars and he oh, just dude. looks like a little kid just yeah, in he wonder the fuck with out of creation. That, dude. And, like there, 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 there's a way of playing like slow and dumb and, and like kind of where it can come off as hokey. I think he did a really good job like making you feel like th- like he's the, the the general wonderment of that. Like he's just so excited to be outside, so excited to... And he plays know. it in a very enduring, like you like him way. Oh, they make you love him in this movie. You don't you don't love him in this movie, bro. No, I mean like I, now I think Tom Hanks is the shining actor in the movie. Man, I think everybody on the mile, all the guards are all incredible. Like, Dude, there's there's a scene on the behind the scenes where Darabont was talking, but they were shooting coffees coverage, and he happens to look over, and Tom Hanks off camera is giving like what he said an Oscar award winning performance oh, off yeah, yeah. camera for John, you know, for Michael Clark Duncan to act off of. Shame we lost that guy. Dad's super young too, man. Yeah. When what did he die of? Heart attack. Yeah. Like fifty six or something like that. Yeah. From being, from being a big old dude. Wasn't even fucking six. I'm, well, I mean, it was not like he was a fat dude. He was just like he was just big. Just I mean, big ass dude. Yeah. I mean, like even in this movie, he's like, I had to stop working out. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't look like you know a buff modern guy. I looked like a buff guy from the you know thirties. Right. And that got me thinking. I was like, oh yeah, that's true. I wonder if he was like steroids or something. Could be. No, I don't know. I have no idea. He did have goddamn tree trunks or fucking arms, though. I mean, that as a wrestling fan, I know there were lots of wrestlers who were heavy in the steroids that die around that age. Oh, that sucks, man. He was a good actor, though. I, I do like him always, you know, in films. I don't know about his... I don't know. This is some of the dialogue sometimes is... It just seems like it's trying too hard with its 1935, like, I, you know... Hey, boss man... Uh, I don't know. It just seems he's a simple man. You know? Yeah. I had absolutely no problem with it at all. <laughs> I see what you're saying, but I, I think it works. I think it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I was reading a lot of complaints about, like, at the time, a lot of people were, and this is not my word. These are uh, words from film critics. It, it suffers from the magical Negro uh, stereotype, which is when a black character, again, uh, this is this is from... Um, Don Mendez from Forbes in the year 2000. I think it was the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance. You know, I was Will just Smith. about to bring up this movie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Where it's a black person that comes in and sacrifices everything with their mystical powers. Right. They do all this sacrifice just for the end of the day for the white person. It's a Robert Redford movie. Um, <laughs> it is. It uh, is. But I was, I was about to say that the, the, the difference between The Legend of Bagger Vance and, the, and I think that this movie comes off more genuine than that movie does. And I think The Legend of Bagger Vance is a great film. But for some reason, this movie feels more genuine. And I do not like The Legend of Bagger Vance. I haven't seen it. I, that's a terrible I don't like that. You don't like uppity rich white people in golf? No. Yeah. Set, not, set in the 30s? I don't want to watch golf ever. <laughs> Unless it's Happy Gilmore. I'll watch that. That's great golf. Wait, you ever seen Tin Cup with... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, all right, see, there we that's go. That's a good one. What's that's the a George good one. Carlin joke? Golf. He was talking about golf. He said, I'd rather watch snails fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's very accurate. Hmm. 
I'd like. I would like to see that anyways. It's just, damn it! Now I am kind of curious. Pause the podcast real quick. Wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 I was making a joke. <laughs> right. like, Man, do you really want to see Look up, look up snails, fucking. Um, the stereotype. I, 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 I don't think it falls into that. Uh, the Green Mile does just because they're trying to do the Christ metaphor, right? Um, but at the same time, it is kind of weird that the only reason he's black. Is so you have a reason that he's getting electrocuted, right? Because yeah, all the cops that. are racist, right? And if they weren't racist, and this guy wasn't black, he would get off. I mean, that's that's spelled out in the novel. I yeah, mean, but the reason they kill him in the book is because he's a black guy, and, and the evidence where you know he's found with the girls. Somebody's got to go down for this. I don't know. It's just yeah. It's 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 all very. I don't. Know, it's stuff to think about. A lot of movies. Now get repeat that, the criticism again. What, the magical Negro criticism? Yeah. Uh, it's stereotypical, uh, you know, black guy, magical powers outside of the world. And Whitey is able to overcome a problem in his life at the expense of the black character who gains nothing. Tell me that green book. <laughs> Damn, bro. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I didn't think about that. Weird, but right? yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. That is green book. Yeah, a little bit. Again, Spike Lee's word, you know. Spike Lee also coined, I think, that too as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I just, I already know I'm going to get mail from this. Just trying to, you know. I guess my confusion comes is if someone, generic any person, steps in and uses powers to help other people, why is that bad? Well, I mean, it's not bad in literary terms or in uh, storytelling terms, you know, normally. As long as you do something with the character. But what they're saying is that, like, all these black characters only exist to fulfill a white man's problems. Like, I mean, if you think about in Green Mile, John Coffey doesn't really have any problems. He's 100% okay with the situation. He's okay with being electrocuted. And they kind of take advantage of him. Yeah. and like They he, don't even ask him if he wants to go help that lady with the, with the cancer. Yeah. They're just like, all right, you ready for a trip? <laughs> And it's kind of fucked up. They don't even realize, like, you know, can't they see that when he does this, it, like, really fucks him up. Like, he's like, I'm tired now, boss. Yeah, he does have to take a nap every time. I'm to sleep now. I'm dog tired. Like, can't you realize that every time he does this, it, like, really drains him? So if you're going to go get somebody with cancer, this might kill him. You don't know. They talk about it in the book. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they even bring it up in the movie, too. Who does? Who, uh, who brings it up? Uh, when they're when they're talking like uh, out know, on was, the back porch, it was like, oh, it was just a mouse last time. It's like th- she's got cancer, and then they bring it up with the the girls. Like you know, I didn't get to them quick enough, or is that the book? Am I confusing this with the book? I may be confusing some of this with the book. I well, d- when he's when he's holding both when he's stories. holding the little girls, he's saying that he said I, I didn't I didn't I didn't get I didn't get to quick enough. I you know. Um, he was I couldn't help. I couldn't help. I couldn't, I couldn't help. help it. I couldn't help it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's just weird. They're just like, oh, we have this magical thing. Let's let's fix our friend. <laughs> yeah. There should have been a scene. Know, there should have been a scene where they're like, hey, man, would you like to help our friend? It Since always came help? across to me like that's just what he has spent his life doing. And, you know, he goes around and he just helps people. But he doesn't remember it. He doesn't because he doesn't have much of a memory. Right. Because um, he definitely doesn't remember helping uh, with the urinary tract infection. And he's just tired of hate. Yeah. Is your missus happy? 
<laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> it's good enough to get you some cornbread. <laughs> that cornbread looked good too, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Ooh. No, it didn't. And I like the way that they cut it in those like long. What, what are you talking about, Benson? It did not look good. Oh, that that's his keto brain talking. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, the cornbread Should looked amazing. Steak. <laughs> it did look good. Yeah, man. It looked nice and fluffy and thick. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. I forget what it is in the book. Doesn't it? It's not cornbread in the book. It's something else. Is it steak? It's some. It's some dessert. Uh, I think it's just another word for cornbread. Oh, I thought it was some dessert. Jimmy cakes, Johnny cakes. Because he asked him to bring him. Like he's like, "What do you want for your final dinner in the book?" And he's like, "I want, I want meatloaf." And he's like, "I don't care about the side. Mashed potatoes and gravy. I want some of that fried okra." Fuck yeah, fried okra. Man, y'all are making me miss my grandma's house. Man, or maybe not fried okra. Maybe it was just okra. I forget what it was. Well, yeah, you know, in the south, when you say my... okra, it means fried okra. <laughs> For some reason, really? my daughter and I started talking about this on the way home from school. What would y'all's final meal be? Hmm. Dude, that is way too hard of a question. It is. I've always wanted to open up a restaurant. Hers was weird. Like, I, I would have never expected it. What was it? Yeah, what was it? She would like baked apples with cinnamon. Okay. Broccoli. Okay. And barbecue ribs. Okay. Well, you got Broccoli? It's your last meal, and you gonna throw a damn vegetable up in there? Fuck Come yeah. on, kid! No, what are we doing? Um, sounds like she wants to go to the Cracker Barrel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, She's like, I just want parents that cook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I always thought it'd be a really what cool a uh, restaurant meal? idea if it was like your last meal, and they could pretty much cook almost anything, right? And you go sit down, and there's like a table, and at the end of the table, there's like a big red, red phone, and you call in your last meal <laughs> for everybody. And you're like, hey, I want a hamburger with sweet potato fries and a side of spaghetti with, you know, whatever. And then they cook all this shit up and they bring it out. And you, you have all right, your... guys, come on. What, what would it be? Hmm. Man, I don't know, dude. I don't know what the last. I don't know. Okay, you know, if I had to pick, pro- probably like that uh, Cajun chicken pizza at uh, Memphis Pizza Cafe. Ooh, that one's good. That's probably either that or like, I don't know. Do like a half. Cajun chicken half supreme at that. That's that's one of the best pizzas, man. I've ever so, had in my so, life. So you're not mm. you're not thinking right, man. You you need to have something like a um, like a really nice like Indian butter chicken, right? And then you need to say like a a, a pint of like Hagen Dazs, um, like cookies and cream. And then you know you got to think about other little small things that you can like. You know you don't have to eat it all. Then you could say, I'd also like a Supreme Pizza from uh, Memphis Pizza Cafe. And you then, know, I mean, I'm, like, I'm, I want you I'm to pile all this shit in front of me. And then I'm just going to be like, no, 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 fuck cars. Just eat until you're so miserable. You're like, <laughs> well, fuck it, kill Jared, me. Jared, it, it, it's your last meal. It, it, they don't say, hey, what would you like for your last banquet? What would you like for your last buffet? It's just meal, man. Have you ever, have you never seen those like the uh, the those the, there's lists online where it shows like uh, famous like murderers last meals, and they order like you know fried yeah, chicken do. and they do order a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I, I forget who it was, but one guy asked for one single olive, with the, with the pit still in. That guy was a serial killer. That was fucking Ted Bundy, <laughs> fucking crazy motherfucker. I think he said that he, he wanted to swallow the seed, so it, his body was you know would go down, then a tree would grow out of his belly or some shit. I don't know, which probably wouldn't happen. It'd be funny if they actually do the autopsy and they take the fucking seed out of his belly. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it just sounds like we would all have a bunch of junk food. 
Yeah. But if, if I were really being honest, like it was coming down, I would say I'd want my mom's uh, fried chicken and her uh, chicken and dumplings. Oh, and then my dad's so spaghetti. Sweet. Like, you know, but, you, you know, if, if you were ever stuck in that situation, I think my, my parents would be like, you're on death row, motherfucker. You ain't getting shit. <laughs> I was like, I just want your fried You disrespected chicken. a goddamn family name. <laughs> you don't deserve to have my chicken, boy. Everybody looks at weird at me when I go pay for gas now. They're like, your son's a murderer. We're from a small town. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows. You're that, and I'm like sitting in. Fucking instant. Jared's dad's like fucking River Phoenix. <laughs> now I'm talking to some old guy. My son fucked my life up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking went to death row and I'm just like sitting in my cell going man even here I can't escape the fucking like just the the, uh, <laughs> the lectures and the like, just, like, I just wish the they would listen I didn't do it <laughs> <sighs> we ready for trailer here guys I think we are alright <laughs> we're gonna roll the trailer for Green Mile we'll be right back sincerely repents on what he'd done wrong that he might get to go back to the time that was happiest for him and live there forever that'd be what heaven's like I just about believe that very thing John Coffey, you have been condemned to die in the electric chair by a jury of your peers, sentence imposed by a judge in good standing in this state. Questions? Do you leave the light on after bedtime? I know violent men. I deal with them day in and day out. There doesn't seem to be any real violence in him. Until he kills a couple of little girls. John Coffey is a murderer. I don't think he did it at all. Take my hand, both. You see for yourself. You're talking about a miracle? I do not see God putting a gift like that in the hands of a man who would kill a child. I dreamed of you. We found each other in the dark. Like he dropped out of the sky. Miracles are funny things. You never know when they're going to happen. And when they happen in a place like this, that's the most unbelievable miracle of all. This is the story of a miracle that happened here where I work on the Green Mile. All right, we're back. That was the trailer for The Green Mile. I have never seen that trailer before. Nor have I. Before. Before. Bunch of, uh, you know, CGI-less shots. Yeah. That was cool. And You wouldn't even know, you know. They, I like it when they shoot like a little title card or, or whatever, when Tom Hanks is walking down the actual that's mile. That's the ending shot. Yeah, the in the movie. trailer. Yeah. What? No, that's not yeah. the ending shot of the movie. Well, he talks about it, you know, and then there's a scene where he walks down. That's that shot where he's walking down the, down the mile. 
What? No, it's, not. it's when he looks. He looks back on. He's sitting there and he looks back on his time, and it flashes back into time, and he's on the mile and he's walking down that that shot. I'm telling you, Brian, that shot's in the movie. That I'll, shot is not in the I'll, movie, man. Yes, it is. I'll prove it to you. No, when he flashes back in time, uh, that's Mr. Jingles. Is when Mr. Jingles shows up. Yeah, it's when he meet, when he when he sees Mr. Jingles again. Well, Mr. Jingles wasn't on his shoulder though, or in his hand. He wasn't holding they Mr. Jingles. Out, man. <laughs> I'm saying that was a different shot. They shot that specifically for, I think. For the trailer, we don't know. Yeah, we don't. I do like the set though, like this Pretty whole amazing awesome. set. Yeah, the Green Mile set is very, very nice. Obviously, a real prison, right? No, it's a set. They build all that. It's about the exteriors too, man. It has to be a real place, right? Uh, the exteriors are uh, real, but everything inside is so built a, on a soundstage. It's a real prison, though, right? Ah, man, I don't know if it was a prison or a factory. I don't know. I can't. Re- I forgot what they said. Okay, I didn't know. So, what does seven mean? Good. What? I just took my keto level. Oh, oh, Come oh. On. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you were like, so what a seven? I thought you were talking about like something, like something. some kind of symbolism in the movie. Well, and you're like, you know, like there was that seven thing. Well, actually, and, the symbolism you know. in the movie is the number 19. They bring that up. Do they? Regulation 19 and stuff like that. I didn't even notice that. Stephen King has a thing about 19 because that's the day he was in a car accident right after this was released. That like Man. plays a big part in the Dark Tower. Yeah, it shapes a lot of his stuff from then on. But yeah, it's actually mentioned in this, which is really interesting. That nineteen pops up a few times in the book, and then this, uh, and it's before the nineteenth even happens. But it's because that's the day he got hit by the car. The day he got uh, Stephen King Our got band. hit by a car. Whatever it was, some vehicle. <laughs> Damn it! Don't hit Stephen King. We need that motherfucker to write some more damn stories. I mean, we got to get at least 10 more years out of that motherfucker. Damn. Once he got like 80 books, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. I mean, we need some more though. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. We got, we got to keep these horror ideas going for at least like fucking another 20 years, man. Come on. We, we could do it. He's in that it phase right now. I mean, he's like the number one guy. He's the it guy. Well, yeah, it came out and made him the it guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw their, uh, James Wan's redoing, um, Salem's Lot. I think he's just producing. I don't know if he's directing. Or Interesting. Not. I don't know. Yeah, that one's that one's needed. Yeah, we, we've never gotten a theatrical of that. So yeah, I'm down. I'm down. That book is awesome. Let's do it. I'd like to direct it. <laughs> you don't know, come on, man. Give James one a call, bro. You got him on your speed dial. You know, just hit seven or what or nineteen. Yeah, it's nineteen. I, yeah, yeah, I know you got him in nineteen. So we're good. I wish. <laughs> So, guys, this was actually, unlike Shawshank, a box office hit. Because of Shawshank. Was it because of Shawshank, or was it because it had fucking Tom Hanks in it, who was off of his, like, big run? Like, he'd won two Oscars at this point. I think it was a combination of popular Stephen King book, Tom Hanks, people love Shawshank. I mean, it's a a great combination there. But out of all of those, the trailer opens up with... From the director of Shawshank Redemption. So there you go. It's it's Shawshank. You think it's Shawshank? Yeah, and it's prison. So like, oh, they're doing another prison movie. He got a lot. You got you got sixty million to do this. It's a lot of money. Did you hear the the conversation he was having with Stephen King uh, before he agreed to like doing this movie Uh, on the behind the scene thing? He was talking about he had you know he had. Done. The first movie ever made was Lady in the Room, which was an adaptation of Stephen King's short story. Or Woman in the Room. Yeah. Right? And, man, it's, he said it took him like a year to make that. Wow. 
It's short, man. I mean, you know, you work everybody working for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up, you know, through that being able to get a chance to make Shawshank. Uh, but he didn't want to make any more prison movies. He's like, I don't want to make any more prison movies. And he was on the phone with Stephen King, and Stephen King was like, man, I've got this idea I think you would be great for. And Darabont was like, well, what is it? He goes, well, you're not going to like it because it's a prison movie. And he's like, yep, I don't want to do another prison movie. (laughs) And then Stephen King pitched him the idea, and he was like, fuck you, Stephen King. (laughs) All right, well, well, send me me it when you get it written. And he he sent him the first, because it came out in those, the novel came out as a serial novel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, Six 100-page editions. He sent him the first one, and Darabont said after he read that one, he was in. He was like, I want want to do this movie. But King wouldn't send him the rest of it because he hadn't finished writing it yet. Um, So he had to wait until the books were published so he could find out what happened. That's a cool way to, like, uh, I don't know, like publish a story. I mean, you don't see that done a lot. That's what Lewis Carroll used to do, which is why he wanted to do it. Charles Dickens. Charles yeah. Dickens. Right? Not bad. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It was it's his uh, foreign agent had the idea and pitched it to him. I, I kept reading that you know, he didn't like things, uh, you know, people like skipping to the end to see what happens. So this is a way of controlling that. So if you release it serialized, then you got to wait. Yeah, Just like true. the director. <laughs> what happens? you got to wait. you got to wait a couple of months. What is it? One, one a month? Is that what it was? I don't remember. Okay. I know. I I know. I read. I think it's in on writing. He was talking about when the first book was published. He was still writing the ending. So when the first part came out, he still didn't exactly know how it was going to end. Just like George R. R. Martin. Um, It makes makes me wonder, like, uh, what they did. You ever see their interview together? No. Um, I don't remember how many books Martin had put out. Or how long it like took him to write something, and you know, like he asked Stephen King something. And he he basically just like gets real calm, and he looks over and goes, "How the fuck do you write them so fast?" <laughs> and Stephen King kind of laughs and goes, "What takes you so long?" <laughs> That's a good damn question. Man. You know what? He's loving that money right now. Damn right he is. He's loving that money. He's like, I, no. I finally made it. He, he's like, look, it takes me forever to write these books. And if I were to just go hole up and, you know, I, by the time I finish this series, I'd probably be dead. You know, so I'm going to use this money while I'm still alive. So fuck y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to spend some money and then I'm going to go write your books. He's like, look, you guys got the TV show. Okay. I'll give you the real ending a little bit later. Yeah. And they're going to do a uh, prequel series as well. Oh, fuck me, bro. For real. Yeah, man. You got to end this one, and then we're going to have a whole prequel series. I don't fucking fucking stop this fucking prequel series fucking shit. I don't fucking... It's never a good idea. What they did with... Has it ever been a good idea? Oh, my God. You should totally beep yourself on that one. No, you should Because it would be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a good idea? (laughs) It is a really good idea, uh, because what they just did with the Star Trek Discovery prequel series that tied some things up and how they wrapped up season two, guys... Oh my goodness! I mean, you're just a Star I, Trek fan. Yeah, oh, see, that's time. my problem, though. Like prequel stuff, I feel like it's fine in the moment when I'm first watching it because yeah. it gives me a bunch of fan service shit. But in terms of a story and long term like possibilities, it man it just doesn't. They don't last past fucking five years. But what they do, I can't, I can't ruin it. But what they do at the end of season two of Discovery gives you what you wanted them to do in the first place. But it just got them there. Live with it for five years, then come talk to me. 
But once, still, even once you uh, get the fan serviceness out, no, the fan serviceness is over. Like, stop right there. For even with what he just said, it still it still sounds like fan service. They they gave you what you wanted inside well, what, of a story that you let, already let, had. Let, 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 let me let me. If you were, if you were to make a Star Trek series, what would you do? I don't know because I wouldn't make a Star Trek series. Okay, Brian, fuck you. <laughs> fuck television. I do some movies though. <laughs> Justin Lin, give me a call. Well, anyways, everybody's always saying we want to see the future. You know, like you know, they keep going back to the past. Well, all of Star Trek's the future, though, for us, bro. In the Star Trek timeline, okay. Well, like I mean, post, like like post DS Nine. Well, I mean, you want them to be out into space. Yeah. I mean, I understand like wanting to be like wanting to see like the first crew out in outer space. But doesn't Star Trek Discovery? That's got connections. To the original Star Trek, right? It's ten years before, and then the second season's all with Captain Pike, who's the first captain of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of fan service prequel setup stuff in there, I bet, a lot, right? A little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, how... I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars 1, 2, and 3, bro, uh, when I was watching them in the theater. I fucking loved every single one. I'm not gonna lie to anybody. When I got out of each one of those movies, I was like, oh, man! Is this where you're getting your five years? Like, look back on it in five years and tell me you love it. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> it's rough, man. It's rough. Tell me about Attack of the Clones. Ooh, son. <laughs> How'd the Hobbit feel? <laughs> okay. Oh, the Hobbit's out. Yeah. I've know? never seen the second one. I watched the first one in the theater. That's I was the like, best one. Ooh. Is the second one. Really? Yeah, the end of that with uh, Smog and uh, Bilbo is really good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Are they also doing that forty-eight frames a second bullshit in that one too? Yeah. Well, it looks bad, man. Only yeah, if you if you watch it in that format. Otherwise, okay. you can watch it in the in regular. What is it twenty-four frame rate? I don't. The theater I saw it in only had it in twenty-four because they they said they had so many complaints for the forty-eight. Yeah, fuck that forty-eight. We're not watching British TV here, bro. It did look weird, didn't it? It looks like you're watching like you know Apocalypto in the theater. Did you ever see that one in the theater? The shot with a really terrible digital camera. Everything looked like you're watching the Discovery Network. I did not see that in the theater. I only saw that on TV. It looked like you're watching a documentary. Did it? Yeah. Is that that Mel Gibson? The Mel Gibson, um, like, a- a- Aztec Incas. I never saw it's, it. It's Aztecs, right? It's Aztecs, yeah. We're basically, there's some pretty cool shit when dude's trying to get away from... <laughs> there's, a bunch of, yeah, there's a bunch of cool, like, action sequences, for but, sure. But what's crazy is um, <coughs> to do the shot they wanted to do at the end. So when you watch this movie, they shot it all digital, except for... The very last scene when the, he like runs out onto the beach and they do this like steady cam shot where he like he's like staring off in the distance and they like and they do a 360 around him and behind him and then you see uh, the pirate ships off in the you know the, the ships off in the distance coming to the to their world and that's how it ends. But that shot because they want to do a, a like ramping digital ramping uh, like uh, change the frame rate uh, you couldn't do that in digital at the time and so that shots shot film. And all of a sudden, everything looks amazing. You're like, oh my god, this looks great. <laughs> the last shot of the movie looks amazing. Damn. Fuck you, Mel Gibson. It's like watching Miami Vice. You get to all the night stuff. And you're oh, like, yeah. God, yeah, yeah well, this stuff looks good. What happened, man? <laughs> what, what, what happened at night? Somebody just shit grain all over the fucking image? God damn. <sighs> man, that was a hard one to watch. Yeah, it is, man. Is, there's a total difference between that. Well, they shot that with a Phantom camera? Uh, what did they shoot that with? I think uh, it was a Phantom or early Varicam. Yeah, I want, yeah, very cam sounds. That that sounds right. Yeah, and it was like the 720p very cam. I can, yeah, Ugh. I can see that. Because that was what 2005, 2006. Uh, I was in film school, so 2005. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Michael Mann made some really weird choices there in his career. I love everything he he did on film, though. 
Yeah. Fucking Heat. Ooh. The Insider. Oh, fucking sexy. So sexy. Last of the fucking Mohicans. Super sex. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. Luscious locks flowing in the wind while he's running. Come on, guys. Are we? With, are you with me? You with me? You, you feeling it? I am. Thinking about John Coffey's luscious locks. They didn't have to shave his head at the end. That's right. They did have to shave everybody else. Well, they, 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 even the guy... Well, that's very instructive about this movie is that they show you things about the electric chair you just didn't know. I think it's really weird that it shows them like in there like polishing it. <laughs> and like, I would <laughs> that not. Is, that is weird. I would not. Harry Dean Stanton. Walking the mile, walking the mile, walking the mile. <laughs> you fried me. All oh, the electricity oh. is going through my body. Yeah, I'm I, shocked by this experience. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff, though. Cause... No, no, I think it's great, but you wouldn't put me in that chair and tie me down and actually attach the wire and all that when you're just like one switch away from fucking death. Well, he knows they're not going to turn it on. You don't know that. <laughs> but you I got love that how, crazy like, kid in there. Like, to them, they do it all the time. Like, yeah. this is just, you know, it's part of their job, and they get, you joke around at work. Yeah. So, like, they start joking around about it, and then sometimes they realize, oh, crap, we're joking around about killing somebody. Dude, I like I like how, um, what's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks' character says, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like he, Paul, he's like, he's like, he's Paul like, Edgecombe. <laughs> Edgecombe? Edgecombe? Yeah. I, I like their accent. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, y'all stop it now. And he's like, well... It was funny, and he's like, "Yeah, but you know, just like when you when you uh, when you start laughing in church, sometimes you just can't stop yourself." <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, "I don't want you guys remembering something up there," and that that totally hits that home because we've all been in that situation. Yeah, where yeah. you remember something funny, you can't stop. Yeah, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't laugh. That last scene, they were all crying, man. Mm. Yeah, the last one, but I do, I do think it's weird that they do the rehearsals. Yeah, and they always get the person. You know who's going to actually end up frying in the electric chair, old Sparky? They're going to get that. They get that person out of there, but they leave the other inmates in there. So it's it's kind of weird. Like That's all the weird, other yeah. inmates are going to like. Well, the day you let me out of my cell, <laughs> walking the mile. I know, walking the mile. I know, like that. The next day, I'm going to get fucking fried in the electric chair. Yeah. Well, that you you know the day. Yeah, you totally it's know it's just, coming. Like when it's when it's coming, they don't want you forced to think about they're rehearsing it right it does make you realize like how much dale lies to himself you know just about like the mouseville and oh yeah like just well, he, everything he thinks that's true he, he, he does I, I really believe he thinks that's real they, they talk him into it no I, I i watched a second time and there's a real close frank darabont did a nice little line where the first time the kids only have to pay two cents to get into mouseville but then when he, right when he's getting ready to get electrocuted, uh, electrocuted and he gives uh, Tom Hanks a Mr. Jingles, he actually he looks over at Brutal and goes, it's four cents to get in there at Mouseville for those kids, right? And Brutal goes, yep. And he gives him that smile, and it's like, oh, okay, so... Obviously, he knows. No, man, because when, when the asshole comes, he's, he's like, you know, they just told you that, told you that, so you wouldn't freak out. You would stay calm. Then he starts losing his shit. I don't know, man. Well, yeah, but it's because he's destroying that fantasy that he built up for himself. Right. Percy's a dick in this movie. Oh, my deserves. God, dude. He deserved a dick every in the book, too. single thing that happens to him, man. Yeah, he is a dick in the book, too. Fucking uh, Tombs from the X-Files. I don't know if you guys ever watched those, like, uh, the episodes where the serial killer, like, can squeeze through small places. Oh, is that him? Yeah, same fucker. Oh, yeah, where he, like, goes through the vents and stuff. Yeah. Okay. You know who I thought really shined in this movie, too, is Brutal. Oh, David Morse? Yeah. Uh, Morse? Man, he he's so fucking good, dude. He's so good in this. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey. Uh, 
I thought they're all good. Gun and yeah. Barry Pepper. Like, yeah. I mean, I was happy with all, everybody, um, all, the, all the cops. Morris is the, the guy from uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, he's the bad guy right. in that. Okay, yeah. Like, dude, no, he's so good in this, man. Because he, he, he has this, like, niceness about him. He's, he's such a big character. He looks like he would just beat your ass. He look, and that's actually what's kind of interesting about this movie is that in comparison to Shawshank, that kind of shows you the, the horrible side of prison. The asshole cops. The asshole cops and everything. This one, like, the whole movie is actually kind of, like, lighthearted, and there's, like, little jokes and stuff, and, and they really let you, like, fall in love with all these characters, and you get to know them, and you like everybody, and then by the time it gets down to the end, that's what I'm saying. I think that's why the shit hits so fucking hard, is because, you know, by the time that you get down to the end of Shawshank, you're like, yeah, fuck these guys, you know? It's time to get their ass. And you, they start, they start to lighten up with Andy. You know, because they start rooting for him, you know, telling him that the kid, the kid passed and all that. The guards kind of get on his side, but they still got that like hard edge to him. You like all the guards in this in this movie, except for Percy. Like you want his ass to go to the electric chair. Well, King's usually he's He's usually pretty good at creating characters that that you can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. He did a damn good job with this one. I don't know, man. Yeah. There's still something, though, I, I really hate about Tom Hanks. Like, not just. Like, really? Yeah, his character should have done something more to get fucking John Coffee. Dude, the way off this he breaks block, down bro. right there, man, that's like the, one of the big cry moments when when the when the guy goes, he he's, like, he's like, he's like, more. you gotta say I don't, it. I don't you know what he could have done. He could have done anything. He doesn't even fucking try, dude. He does nothing. He sits around and thinks about making a plan, and John Coffey literally just says, "Well, I wanna, I wanna die, boss. Yeah, the pain is and too he, much." He's like, he's like, "What am I? What am I gonna tell? What am I gonna tell God?" He's like, "You tell the the Lord, uh, uh, our, if our Father." You know that you, you did mercy or whatever. It's like, dude, whatever. Take that motherfucker, drive down to Mexico, and fucking heal blind kids or something. Like, damn, like, yeah, man, fuck his feelings. Force <laughs> him to heal. Yeah, and then you're gonna get him and like all his family and all that. He's gonna, you know, well, him obviously and Bonnie, this guy Bonnie wants Wright. to help people. Like he goes Bonnie. out. John Coffey goes out of his way to help everyone. Right. Like, I mean, that's why he's in jail is because he was trying to help. So, I mean, like, he wants to do it. Take his ass down to Mexico. Well, let's let's or whatever anywhere outside the United States. Just get this fucker out of the goddamn. Just come no, on. No, I think I think it works. I mean, it does a good job of setting up his depression. Work's not easy to find. Tom Hanks has a family to look after. No, All he these guys have families to he, look he after. A, he has a wife and everything that he just got busy he's, with. He's him. got a wife, but he makes a point to say all of his kids are grown and they left the house. That's why uh, he still um, got to provide for his wife. Man, I think she was okay. She was all right with the possibility of him going to jail to help one woman. Right? I think she would have been okay. With- I think this is a nitpicky complaint. It just bothers me as an audience member, man, watching the movie. Well, that's kind of the biggest thing is is that they all know that he's innocent, but they all have to like, stand there and, and, you know. And it's not sad for me when he's like, I have to watch everybody die in my life. I'm like, good fucker, you should have to. <laughs> you did fucking kill God's miracle, you sack of shit. And you just sat by and you said, roll on two. I think you that's, fucking asshole. But I, but I think, think that's part of what eats him up. I, dude, I'm glad it does. I hope that motherfucker doesn't sleep shit at all at night. Fuck him. I hope everyone in his life <laughs> suffers a terrible death. Like it's just like they did. <laughs> she died on a bus accident. And... I, they leave that out of the movie. Oh, they do. They do, don't they? Well, they. I think they just drop a line that she she dies in a in a bu- in a bus crash. Don't they drop it in the movie? No, I don't think they bring it up in the movie. But I know it's in the in the book. It's when he apparently that's in the book where he realizes that he he's you know maybe he is a little bit invincible. He kind of has um, some uh, 
David Dunn aspects to him. His wife actually gets she gets accidentally electrocuted on the bus. <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little weird. Yeah, and then that's when he sees John Co- Coffee and. It's like his ghost is like coming back and or whatever. He doesn't know if it's his <laughs> memory doing, or a ghost. Or, yeah, exactly. Right? I'll take care of her, boss. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I get every. I'm cool with all the other characters on the block. It's just it's Tom Hanks, man. Like he knows. Man, like he's acting his ass off, dude. I, no, he's doing a great job. He is, man. But once his character like has that handshake, and once he sees like. Sam Rockwell's character, he's the one that actually killed those fucking girls. Yeah. He's the one who killed the twins. Like, once he knows that, it's just like, man, you're letting this guy die. And you know for a fact now that he's fucking innocent. At least in the book, it was his speculation. Yeah. And that made me like him more as a character. And in the movie, it makes me like him a little less. Cause What's it's he like, supposed to do, Brian? He can't just, like, ruin again, his dude, life. Look, I mean, it's like... Whatever, bro. Like, okay, you have to move and go to someplace else. That's not ruining your fucking life. You can go to another if, country, <laughs> right, with this healer guy, and I mean, I, I guess know. you could be like, I, I, I was just thinking, how are you going to make money? But I guess you got John Coffee. They were like, <laughs> he's like, give me a thousand dollars, I'll heal your sickness. Fuck well, yeah, I don't think dude. John Coffee would have gone for that though. Dude, look, you could you could get like food. You got all the vegetables, the chicken eggs in the village, bread. <laughs> I mean, you'd be, you'd be set. You'd be good. Man, I'm harping on this. I can't let it go. It bothers me. It gets on my nerves. Sorry, guys. Anyway, moving on. Well, I think it works that he's caught in a... Yeah, I think that's the biggest moment, right? ...predicament of he he has to do something he doesn't want to do. But he didn't have to. <laughs> he's just like... Again, it's like white man problems. He's like, I don't want to give up all my awesome stuff I have. Like, I don't want to give up my house and all my possessions. I can't do what, like, Jesus Christ did and say, Hey, you know what? Fuck all that shit. Come with me. Let's learn about God, bro, and spread the word of the gospel. No, Paul Edgecombe's like, I'm a pussy, and I like material possessions. Um, Roll on two. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It, he That's said how it, it comes harder across. than that. He's like, roll on two. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a handshake, and that handshake, it's okay, bro. Roll on two. <laughs> After my handshake. I don't know. I didn't like it. Didn't like it. Uh, coffee gave him permission. He did. Imagine that would be pretty hard, though. Like, oh man, every time something bad happens, you could feel it. You could feel the pain. You could feel the. I'd get tired of it pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is from the same person who said I'm an emotional guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of in the movie. It just kind of seems like you know, hey boss, I know what you're thinking. Like, I don't want you to feel bad. He even says that right before he gives that bullshit reason. Like, no, just kill me. Now, I may, I mean, I may be mixing the movie and the novel together, but no, in the novel, to me, I don't have a problem with it. The novel's fine. Like, to me, I completely understand Coffee's reason for, like, not wanting to go on. Like, he's he's simply tired of feeling all that stuff. That's just not enough for me as an audience member. Like, Paul Edgecombe needs to do something more as a character. Like... I like the idea that he figures it out in the novel. Like, that's good. And it's he's not 100% sure that this guy is innocent. Like, his real big fallback thing is, is like, well, a guy that performs miracles can't be a, a murderer. So, I don't know. He does put it together who really killed him. Yeah, kind of. It seems like once you see, like, once you get a vision from somebody and the dude's, like, cured and brought people back or creatures back from, from life, you're going to let somebody, like, electrocute that person? Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't, I just, it's not just somebody, man. It's it's the it's the state. It's like you know, it's the law. Go to a different state. Get out of Louisiana. It's not that easy, Brian. Louisiana. It's not. It's not difficult. I've. I, how many states have you lived in, Jared? Because I I know I've lived in like at least four. It's yeah, not that I'm not, hard. I'm not in jail, and you know, like have to be broken out of jail, and then have them all coming after you. It's kind of hard to hide, uh, John Coffey. Man, you know, they'd be all right. He, he look, dude. He disappeared before this whole thing happened. They they couldn't trace his his origins earlier. Gary Sinise was like, hey, I don't know. I did like that cameo. Yeah, uh, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> I, li- I like his story about the dog. Oh, man, yeah, and they bring the kid over there. He gets real racist, though. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, you can't trust black people or dogs. It's like, damn, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> and then when he gets to the end of the story, he's like, well, you know what I did? I went out there and shot it. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Don't fuck around Louisiana back in the 30s, son. Hell no, you don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, my grandfather has shot dogs all the way up to... <laughs> <laughs> I've heard many dog shooting stories in my day. Does he also compare that dog to a black person right before he does it? No, he just shoots them. So apparently this book... Um, it's really good. They they repeat certain scenes, and they're, it comes back a little different every time. It's kind of like if you were telling a story that you heard. Oh, wait, you're talking about the beginning of the chapters? Yeah, like they, how, how it kind of like, numbers, it kind of reiterates what, you, what, what had, had, had happened, but it's a little different as if someone was telling the story. I didn't memory. notice that it was different. It's told a little differently. I didn't notice that. Like it's not different in like what happens, but it's just said a little differently. He it may have been, I didn't notice. So like a scene may be told it's all written in first person, but it may happen in a certain way. And then the next book starts off with his narration where he it's kinda hard to explain. He kinda without. paraphrases it. Yeah. It, it, it's kind it's of like an, it's an previously inter- on the green interesting line. way of backtracking without feeling like you're backtracking. Well, the thing I was reading was talking about how it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the way storytelling is, you know, like from, passed from person to person. It's kind of like you know you, you you get a little bit of different like look on it because the, you, you're talking about a memory, not necessarily something that's happening at, right now at this time. That was it. I do want to talk about it real quick. Uh, Roger Deakins did not shoot this. He shot uh, Shawshank Redemption. This was shot by David Tattersell. I guess that's how you pronounce that name. Anyway, um, I thought this was shot really well, though. I mean, yeah, considering it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Deakins. I really liked most of the movie was shot. I noticed low angle. Yeah, definitely looking up. Yeah. Well, because you always have to look up to John Coffey. That's true. No matter what. You think they had him on Apple Boxes the entire time? Oh, they totally did. He, he's the same Buffy height as, as the uh, the main guard. Or not, uh, oh, yeah, brutal? They, yeah, said they, had, they said they had a lot of Apple Boxes for him. I, yeah, I bet they did. I bet you they built like rows and rows they, of they, Apple they just, Boxes. They just the borrowed uh, Tom Cruise's set. <laughs> <laughs> and what's an Apple Box there, Jared? Won't you? That's a box you put apples in. No, What? On a film set, you've got uh, these uh, these boxes that are kind of standard size. You got a you know full apple, half apple, quarter apple, and a pancake. How tall is a full? Oh man, now you got me. I don't know. I don't know either. We also used to call them man makers. Man makers. I never heard of that. I hadn't heard that either. I'm a little older, y'all. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little not PC now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get it, but okay. Because there's us vertically challenged people who's like, stop calling it that. Oh, I see. And then there's like what are the what is it one story two story or well, you've got you've got um, you got uh, L A Chicago New York 
one and then but we also say uh you know first floor second floor third floor so your first floor is it's laying on its side your second floor is laying on the next you know like you roll it over and then the third floor is when you stand it up on its end so what's it called when you make the director a little chair that'd be a third floor apple box yeah apple box on third floor apple, apple box new york or a third i've heard third story as well third, too. yeah yeah Anyways, uh, what did you say? Grip, what it was? Grip ass prop. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, grip Chicago to, grip to ground connector is another one. What was the other uh, outside? So of the you got L.A. Floors? is flat. LA. Chicago uh, is 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 two, and then New York, uh, New York is three. New, oh, oh, New York gets three. Well, yeah, because if you look, if you think about where they are in 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 in, in terms uh, of skyline. No, if you think about if you look at a map of the United States, uh, L.A.'s down here, Chicago's here, and New York's up here. Oh, okay, all right. All does it right. make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like to know where those things come from. Yeah, but my favorite one is the grip to ground connector because every time you see an apple box, there's a grip sitting on it. It's connecting into the ground. Or on my set, a director setting. <laughs> well, you're supposed to have a director's chair. You know, it, 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 it conveniently but got you, left places. But you got to have an apple box to step up into the director's chair. <laughs> no, I've got a director's chair, just my height. <laughs> All right. Well, with much bitching that you've done about the end of this movie, I can't wait to hear what you got to rate this thing. Bro, look, it's gonna be I, a seven, right? No, this is a, this is a solid nine nine. I'd give this a nine point five. Really? Yeah, it's like a maybe like a point off of. I don't think it's. Stephen King said it was like one of his uh, best adaptations. Yeah, best adaptations of his work. I would I agree with that. Yep. I don't think it's as good as Shawshank. It's not. It it doesn't like all the changes in this one don't give me the feels like Shawshank. Like everything, every change that was made in Shawshank made sense in terms of for an audience for for right. for, for a film to, to put it visually. Yeah, yeah. you know, like your warden, you have all these different wardens. Let's put one together. Let's make one central bad guy. That's right. a great idea. That yeah. works for a film. And the way that they did the whole uh, money laundering thing and all that made more sense. You know. Yeah. For setting him himself up. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. The changes are really good. I didn't read the book on this one, so I don't know the changes, but um, what are you going to rate it, Benson? I was going to go 9.5. Ooh, I'm going to go 10. Ooh, all right. This movie made me cry a lot. (laughs) Did it make you cry a lot? Yeah, it did, man. Holy shit, this movie gives me the feels. And I I really enjoyed it. I think all the acting's superb. I think that the the camera work looks amazing. All the mouse stuff is great. Um, Uh, The only reason I'm dropping a half a a point from Shawshank's 10... And I can't put my finger on what I think is better about Shawshank. I just think Shawshank is just a more iconic, memorable movie. I completely agree with that. I don't question the characters ever in Shawshank. I think all the character motivations work better in Shawshank. The the thing that stands out in this film for me is the ensemble. I thought you were about to say is because fucking he did not help him at the end. How could you let this man die? <laughs> Go back into that. For like, I like the ensemble better <laughs> in this. If you let me. <laughs> I mean, there are elements of this I like better, but just overall, like if I haven't watched them in a long time, I'm more likely to go, oh man, you've got to watch Shawshank. And then if somebody brings up Green Mile, I'll go, oh yeah, Green Mile's awesome. It is kind of like the uh, casino to Goodfellas. I can you know, see that. Yeah. It um, is. It's Casino and Shawshank's good. And though. it may just be, you know, I saw Shawshank first. It may be that I read Green yeah. Mile before I actually saw the movie. I did not. I, that, this is the first time I've ever read this book. Really? Yeah, never read it before. 
because he released it in installments, and I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not going to pay extra. Well, I'm gonna when I read a book, I, I'm gonna start. God damn it, I'm just gonna start and continue. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this month shit or fucking however long he was taking in between. I forget. I got it for I got the uh, when it first came out on hardback as one one book. I got that for Christmas one year and read it on my way to my grandparents' house. Not book. hardback, paperback, like the big paperback. I kind of regret that though. I wish I'd read it. When it comes I out. do too. I, I kind of wish I'd had that experience. Yeah. How much they charge for each one of those? So you got six of them. You know, is it, did he make more money doing that way? They were like two much. bucks or something. They were pretty cheap. I, I was at a bookstore the other day that had the whole set. I almost bought them. Well, if you're charging like two bucks for them, that that would be more than the price of a normal paperback. But if like, he'd have released it on hardback, he would have got thirty bucks for it. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, it's somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. I mean, the man's making money, so... I think he's doing okay. Yeah, Stephen King ain't uh, ain't crying about anything. Well, he cries about some stuff, but it ain't money. Yeah, like getting hit by a car and shit. I cry about that too, motherfucker, damn. <laughs> I mean, like, that's when you do cry. Last thing I saw him tweeting about that he was upset about was people referring to his wife as Stephen King's wife. Well, isn't she Wait, Stephen I, King's wife? Tabitha? Isn't that her name? Tabitha King? Yeah, he said you should call her Tabitha. Well, look at that. Look, I knew Stephen King's wife's name off the top of my fucking head. Wow. I don't know what I get for that, but yeah. Let's call her Mrs. Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> F- fuck a Tabitha. That's too many fucking syllables. Yo, Miss King. Well, he calls her Tabby. What is that? Tabby? Oh, there you go. The daughter from Bewitched. That, that, that fucking sounds like a cat name, though, bro. Yeah. Fucking Tabby. Is, isn't that is that a kind of cat? Isn't it a tabby? Like well, there's a, a tabby of, cat. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's where I'm getting that from. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm not making shit up. No. That's good. Because sometimes I do. All right, guys. So that's gonna do it for us tonight. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew spelled C R E W E. That's right. Extra e at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. Or a lot of people hit us up on your messenger on Facebook. Which is true. That's right. And you can uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MovieCrewPod. And you can send us messages through all those platforms. We accept them all. Benson, where can audience follow you, sir? At J. J Edward Benson on Instagram. Jared, where can they follow you? You can find me at Jared B. Callen on the Twitter and at CheckTheGate on Instagram. You guys can follow me on Twitter at ElkinsEdits. And like always, we're going to close out the show with a little bit of the score. We're going to be playing a track 37 titled The Green Mile from composer Thomas Newman. Enjoy. He did an amazing job. He did do a good job. God. Mm. I do like that track when they're uh, they're, they're playing the, mili- uh, the military march, or the army march, when they uh, have Percy and they're dragging him <laughs> in. And yeah. It's like, dum, dum, That's dum, so dum. badass. Yeah. That is yeah. Cool. Mm.